0: This is On The Farm Podcast. I'm Lamar Gibson. I'm Adam Lawler. We're coming to you. It's a new season. Uh, We're coming with pictureless Premier premiere podcast for everything minor league, prospect, dynasty league related. Uh, Today, we're talking about FYPD prep, first year player draft preparation, prospects to know, and how to value them. I got to start off with asking you, Adam, have you started any of your FYPDs?
1: Yeah, I got a... Way too many leagues that I'm in, dynasty-related. Um, all of them ha- kind of have a different approach to how we do the, the minor league drafting. Um, a couple of leagues that I'm in will just basically say, "Hey, any minor leaguer that's not been drafted or has been cut in the past uh, and is available uh, is available in this draft." And I got a couple of leagues where it's just exclusively first-year players. That's all you can take. So um, the season has begun though. I feel like once the calendar turns into the new year, leagues start picking back up and it's my favorite time of the year, to be honest with
0: you. Absolutely. Same here. Um, I have a, a couple of drafts I just finished in my home league, our FYPD a couple of weeks ago. And then I'm actually in the middle of a dynasty startup draft right now. So it's, it's uh, it's going well. And like you said, once that counter turns, it is a uh, is a wonderful time of the year. Your dynasty so, league startup. Is it is it
1: a uh, you do minor leagues and major leagues separately or you mix them all up together?
0: Yeah. So they wanted to they want to mix uh, with this particular startup It's not one that I'm a, a commissioner of. So I'm just participating. But um, okay. they, can they I ask you about to, that? Yeah.
1: All right. So, so it's a mix up. What's your approach to the, uh, the strategy there? Are you, are you mixing it up and taking some major leaguers, some minor leaguers? Are you taking exclusively major leaguers and punting your minor leaguers? Cause your knowledge, yeah, how you approach them yeah,
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. So something that I learned the hard way from my experience in the home league, and I actually, I actually wrote about this in the most recent, um, copy of my newsletter, but some, <laughs> some lessons that I learned the hard way was, need to have a strategy straight up I was actually telling somebody this in the discord um uh, earlier today need to have a strategy straight up so if you're going to compete know that let that strategy play out for at least a couple years if you're in the dynasty league, right if you're going for hey I just want to get prospects and I want to build that's cool too but again you want to keep in mind if you're going that route the name of the game is still to compete to win to to develop major league players. You're, you're not, it's not Pokemon. You're not trying to catch all the top 100 prospects. Don't get, don't, don't fall down that hole um, because once you fall down that hole, it's, it's really hard to get out of. So in this particular startup, um, I'm going for the approach of competing. So I'm not grabbing too many top minor leaguers, top prospects um, early. I'm kind of letting, you know, my, my league mates take those guys. I'll take the veterans Um, hopefully compete, let that run for a couple years. I'll take the non top 100 guys, some of the pop-ups and guys that I really like that are not high on the list yet. Um, Hope to develop. And then always, you know, always remember, you can always trade, right? So you don't have to hit everything. Um, Especially this league is, I want to say this league is 16 teams. So it's not, not too deep, not too shallow. So, you know, hopefully we're going to be active, and you can always package some guys together. So yeah, I'm going to compete. I'm getting the veterans. Uh, I'll I'll wait until I kind of have my roster filled up um, from the starting standpoint, and then I'll start kind of picking at the the minor league. Because I did get Riley Green. I got him early just because he was there. But um, other than that, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna get the veteran guys. That's my approach here.
1: Okay. All right. That's cool, man. I yeah. like that. I like that approach. Me, I, I have in several dynasty leagues that I started up in, in the recent past have gone out of my way to try to break the league. So I will go ahead and and be the one guy who zigs when everybody zags. And I will very much attempt to try and pick up as many Uber prospects as I can. Um, the, I started up a league a few years ago with Jesse Rocher, baseball prospectus and, and a couple of his buddies and uh that's the league, the approach that I took in that league a while back. And I drafted guys like Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, and and that is my team, that is who I'm rolling with now. And it is fun to play now. It is a yeah. fun thing to play, but for two years it was a it was a struggle.
0: So Yeah, I, I imagine so. I imagine so <laughs> if you if you just say, Hey, you know, I got you know, I just pulled Acuna out and pulled Tatis out and it, yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, that you, you bring up the the best point, and that's what I'm saying. You need to have a plan of action. So any first time dynasty people, um, I would say even with keepers, I, I've never played keeper specific, but it's obviously the the intent tends to be pretty similar. Um, have a plan because if you are going to go, um, just like Adam was saying, if you're going, uh, hey, I'll 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 kind of zig and I'll pick up the Corbin Carroll's and I'll pick up the CJ Abrams types and, you know, top 100. That's cool. That's great. But you got to have the patience. Got to let them develop. Got to keep an eye on them. what's going on because just like Adam was saying, when they hit, it's it's Christmas in July. But if you don't have that patience, if you're constantly, oh, no, I'm going to try to compete now. I'm going to try to jumpstart a championship run. Then you're just kind of running around. Um, You're throwing off your valuations and it's probably not going to be that, that fun because you're, you're not going to be doing much of anything. You're not developing and you're not competing. You're just kind of making a lot of trades, which is something I did. And that's why I said, learn from me, learn from my mistakes. <laughs>
1: yeah. And um, I mean, you could end up in, you could end up in pitfalls with that strategy too. Yep. I mean, in that same league, I took Scott Kingery way too early mm. and that was a disaster. So be real careful with what you do. But yeah, I mean, so what, do you, what was the, uh, in this league or in your leagues that you've been in lately, what, when we talk about first-year players and we talk about first-year player drafts, have, have you picked up any, or uh, what are you looking at there?
0: Yeah, so um, the, my home, what I refer to as my home league, like I said, we just finished um, having our FYPD, and uh, one thing that I thought was super interesting talking to everybody, and it, it's it's a it's a really fun league. It's twenty teamer, so we're pretty active when it comes to trades and, and just kind of talking shooting a breeze. One thing I thought was really funny was I was trying to sneak. I thought I was going to be able to sneak and get James Triantos. I was like, nobody's really on James Triantos like that. And I saw what his production was um, towards the end of the season last year. I was like, oh man, shortstop, Cubs, okay. Um, Out of Virginia area. Man, Hit Tool is amazing. If you look at the Hit Tool grades and what people talking about, some people say, oh, maybe he doesn't stick at shortstop because of his arm. Um, maybe maybe goes to second but the guy can hit um kind of got to get power good pitch recognition overall um sometimes a little little over eager but you see a lot of hit tool guys can get like that because if i can if i can hit everything i kind of i start to kind of swing at everything because i know i can make contact um but that can you know that can be developed coach through i like them and little by little as the offseason went on i start seeing more and more articles popping up about hey, this is a good, you know, this is kind of good under radar guy. And I was like, oh, man. And I had a low pick. Just, again, bad trades that I made on me. So I had a, I had much lower pick than I should have in the first round. And, of course, what happens, my pick comes up and Trantos is all, already off the board. But I did pick up Colson Montgomery from the White Sox. Uh, left-hand hitter. Um, shortstop. Kind of kind of similar situation as Trantos as far as is he going to stick a short. For him, they're thinking, you know, he's going to go to third just because of his size. He has a strong arm, uh, but I like I like he was my plan B. I like his makeup. Uh, again, power is developing. Hit tool is is good and, and seems to have a you know give him a good basis to um, to continue to develop. Has done you know did well in the uh, in his in his previous season and his rookie year or first professional year I should say. So, you know. I, when I'm looking at prospect valuation, when I'm looking at like who who are the guys I'm going after, I kind of split up three areas. I'm looking at past production. I'm looking at what what scouts are saying that current skills and ability are. And then I'm looking I'm kind of weighing that against that future potential for growth. Um,
1: so So you when you talk about current skills and ability and you're looking at that, right, and you're also looking at past production what type of stats or what are you looking at specifically when you're scouting somebody to, to say, Hey, okay, this, this prospect is the real deal or maybe they're
0: a little undervalued. Yeah. So for me, I'm looking at, uh, when I'm talking, so kind of splitting two things, right. Pitchers versus hitters. When I'm, and, and, and I know, you know, if Nick Pollock listens to this, he's going to hate it, but I'm a hitter guy. I'm not really a pitcher guy. I know that's kind of blaspheme for pitcher list, but, sue so, me so I when I'm looking at hitters I'm thinking okay cool um what what are their strikeout and, and walk rates looking like uh, especially if they're in that low a rookie ball because it goes both it, it goes kind of two ways you see a lot of scouts say oh if this guy's in rookie ball kind of throw out all the stats right I don't know if I, I understand where that comes from but I don't know if I put full stock into that belief because for me, if there's a competitive pitch being thrown, if there's competitive at bat taking place, the result signifies something context matters. Context definitely matters. So not all stats are created even and equal, but uh, I can't just say like, Oh, this guy's in, you know, Dominican summer league. So all the stats don't matter. Well, no, if this guy shows that, even at 17, 18 years old, he knows how to take a walk. Especially considering that we know the um, the talent level there. It, you know, pitchers aren't necessarily the the most control friendly, but he he can see that, and he knows, hey, I don't have to swing at everything. But that's good. Um, obviously, I'm looking at power numbers. If a guy's putting up crazy power numbers, you want to keep an eye on that. But I'm a big hit tool guy. I'm a big Is this guy going to be able to make contact? Can he go gap to gap? Can he use all fields? And then I want to see video, right? What do the swing mechanics look like? Is there a lot of noise uh, in in the stance and in the preload? Is everything kind of very fluid and easy? So that's what I'm looking for. And like I said, that's kind of hitter wise. Pitcher wise, I'm still learning a lot about pitching. I'll be honest. I'm learning a lot about when it comes to, you know, pitch shape, pitch mix, Um, just general mechanics all that sort of stuff but for me it's a lot about is is the guy a strike thrower does he know how to generate swings and misses and then from there I'm just kind of watching and watching and watching Um, but that's the big thing you you gotta you gotta watch if you're not watching in person watch some video uh, MIB uh, MILB TV something you know get eyeballs on whoever you're looking at because just going off of Stat line scouting, that can lead you all sorts of different ways. <laughs> so that's me. What about you, Adam?
1: Yeah, I do a little bit of that. I think um, when I talk about uh, buckets and nuance, too, just to add on to that, one, um, I'm looking at player age in respect to the league that they're in. I have a 24 year old that's lighting single A on fire. I don't really care as much. Uh, I feel like they probably had some issues and that's why they're still in single a. Um, and so I'm at, or if they're a second time or third time through the league, um, you know, they're repeating and they're tearing it up. I might be a little more interested, but I want to know why the organization hasn't promoted them yet. I do absolutely think that, especially when they're younger, when we're talking about DSL or rookie ball or even low a single a, um, I'm looking at walk to strikeout ratio. Uh, I need to know that they can take a walk. I think that's an excellent point. And then um, a couple other things that I am looking at specifically are their pitches per plate appearance. So I do like to go on to FanGraphs graphs uh, and pull out the data. And then if you look at uh pitcher, I'm sorry, pitcher list. If you look at fan graphs, um, batted ball uh, sub tab on their, um, on their website, and then you go ahead and you divide that by the the total plate appearances that they've seen i want to know if any you know 19 year old right or maybe even a 20 year old that's at double a ball let's just say that he's there and they got a strong maybe or or at least maybe a little subpar strikeout to walk ratio because they're a little young for the league itself mm-hmm. but they're going and they're seeing to 4.4 pitches per plate appearance. That means that they're working the count that they're seeing a lot of pitches and that they have a, that that is a a canary in the coal mine, so to speak, when you're looking at, does this player have an understanding of the zone? Um, And if a 19 year old is showing some, um, Compensity there. I'm, I'm on board and I'm more interested in taking a deeper dive and seeing what other scouts have said, things like that. I really want to know uh, pitchers. Uh, I'm sorry. I really want to know when batters have a good feel for the strike zone. Uh, speed is not as interesting to me, especially with all the wonky rules that now have come into play with different leagues, uh, yeah. minor league settings. So I'm not interested as much in that. Um, but when it comes to pitchers. Uh, Anybody in any league that's ever played with me can attest to this. Uh, I buy pitchers when my window has opened. I do not uh, draft arms. Uh, It's just the the one, the opportunity for them to be injured and never uh, return uh, is extremely high. Um, And then two uh, pitching, way more than hitting is non-linear um, and they can pop at any point in time. Uh So, or fall off and case in point is Force Whitley, Sixto Sanchez, Mackenzie Gore. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Brent Honeywell, if you want to go a few years back prior, Uh James Caprillion, you have names on names on names where pitchers just flame out. So um, I focus on drafting, uh hitters and then when my window opens i will trade my prospects or my draft picks for pitchers and buy the pitching
0: please so. it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that I, I i know we got to get into the actual prep um some players that we want to highlight but it's funny that you mentioned not buying or not drafting pitchers and that you buy them and me talking about i'm i'm a hit guy but recently i've just there's certain pitchers where i'm like I, I just there's something about this guy and so i kind of have an even even roster when it comes to my minor league spots of hitters and and pitchers. I know there's going to be a ton of listeners, a ton of uh, 10 stat followers, right? A ton of there's no pitching prospect type people that are going to be moaning and groaning when they hear this. But for me, I'm willing to take that risk for a little bit because for me, I guess in the roundabout way, I kind of get to the same conclusion as you, you do, just in a different process, which is I can always drop this guy. Like I can, I can pick a guy up off the waiver wire um, and, and, you know, have him as a minor league ad that I think, wow, he's, he's really killing it right now. And like you said, okay, cool. He's killing it. And high A, he gets the bump to double A. And now he's, you know, now he's getting lit up. Now you look at it and say, oh, well he was 24, 24 and a half at high A. Now he's pitching with, you know, some, some, some guys that are more to his level and, Yeah, that fastball isn't really playing the same way. Now his pitch mix looks a lot more limited. Now those, you know, those walks that you thought, ah, it's not a big deal. Now they come back to bite him, And it's like, okay cool. Hit the drop button and I can find, you know, three more guys to fill that spot. So um, that's kind of my roster management. But overall, I kind of I definitely get your your conclusion, which is the nonlinear nature of pitching and pitch development, even in today's um, sort of space age arms race that we have of all this video and data that's getting gathered and different approaches to pitching. It's still, Hey, he could be a phenom at 20. He could bounce around and go to a couple of different teams. And then it's, you know, he's 25, 26 and boom, you know, if you look at Max Scherger, it was like, oh, this guy's okay, he's got the talent, we don't really know, and then it was like, well, okay, now he's the most dominant pitcher of his generation, right? <laughs> and that can happen to kind of anybody, no matter what the pedigree is or, or what the um, what their sort of dra- uh, uh, ranking is. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You, ultimately, I think the takeaway for, for listeners, um, whether you're a veteran or this is your first year playing uh, Dynasty, understand what your valuations are. Understand what it is that you're looking for from prospects, like what is drawing your attention and do your research, do the read ups, um, you know, follow whether, you know, hopefully it's over here, picture list, but there's a ton of different resources, a ton of different sites that all have um, some talented writers doing write ups, whether it be in person or like I said, video scouting or mixture. Um, I like to follow a lot of beat writers that do a lot of um, minor league coverage. I'm hoping to actually have some, hopefully uh, on some later episodes of On the Farm to kind of talk through because they definitely are in the know. But understand what your valuation is, just like having a plan is important. Understanding what draws your eye to prospects and why is equally as important. Um, With that being said, do your
1: research, Lamar says. Make sure you do
0: your research. Got to do the research. That's a a real touchy thing to say around these parts these days. (laughs) Oh, so. With that, I want to pivot into um, prospects to know, and we already kind of talked about over general valuations, but we want to talk about how to value these particular um, prospects. Um, we wanted to talk about kind of what's a good strategy to have um, when you're going through the actual draft, so when you're actually in the draft room, whatever that draft room looks like for you. Um, What's some good bullet points to keep in mind? So I want to kind of – me and Adam will kind of alternate in some bullet points that we came up with. Uh, This is not the end-all, be-all. Like, this isn't everything, but these are just, like, three really good points to keep in mind. Um, And I'll start – first one is, uh, overall, just go with the best player available. Like, don't worry about position. Don't really worry about, like, oh, this guy is a – you know, this guy is a – Third baseman and already have a bunch of third baseman. Like, it doesn't matter. If he's if that prospect is the best available player at that spot, just grab him. Um, especially with prospects. Um, the younger prospects, they're going they they can move around so much. Like we've seen it. I still remember when Al Pujols came up. Like, I know I'm kind of throwing it in the way back machine, but like Pujols came up as a third baseman, and then they were like, Well, that's not really gonna work, and then they tried him in left field. And it was like, well, that's not really going to work either. (laughs) And then finally it was like, McGuire left, and then boom, we can put him at first, and and he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. So don't get really caught up in in the position standpoint. Um, Adam, you want to take the second bullet point here?
1: Well, I think I would want to say just as a qualifier to yours, um, I agree, take the best player available with a little bit of a qualifier. Um, One, kind of know your roster construct currently. If you have, um, you know, let's just say it's Adlai Reichman right now, right? He's, you're going to be your starting catcher this coming year. You probably don't need Harry Ford, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's probably not, you can find an equivalent value for Harry Ford at a shortstop or third base or outfield range. Um, And if not, you can probably take somebody that might be of a higher value valuation Uh, later on down the road take a little bit of a risk there um and then i also tend to stay away from first base uh prospects Hmm. at times unless they are really like the hit tools incredible just because they often are their hit tools got to carry the day otherwise they are going to flame out right so um
0: that's a good point i think it's interesting though it's interesting that you chose harry ford as the example there right because that's kind of the question with ford it's like he may not even be a catcher by the time he hits the major So, <laughs> so it's kind of, you know,
1: I just, I find catchers to be one of those players that are, you know, when they get up to the major leagues, they're going to be focused on defense first anyway right uh, and learning the rotation and the staff. So their hit tool is going to be the second thing that comes along, even if they're a very good hitter, which Joey Bart might be a very good example for that. Uh, Everybody loved Joey Bart's hit tool, um, but he's came up and he was struggled in that first season. Do I think he's going to continue to struggle? No, but I do think that there is a lot of time learning about what, uh, Anthony DiSclafani and Al- Alex Wood and the likes are going to do right. um, and learning their their pitching recommendations and their pitching preferences. So um, there's that. So uh, I think the second thing when I talk about or when I think about uh, strategy regarding drafting um, and prospects and how to value them, uh, I look at uh, Clubhouse. I look at the actual organization itself. Um, that is a value that I feel like I probably place a little higher on than most other people do at this point. But um, but I do tend to stay away from Angels pitching prospects because mm-hmm. when was the last time the Angels ever developed a pitcher? I end up staying away from um, you know the 31st picked uh, person in the draft. I don't really think about them as much as I might the DSL kid that's coming out of nowhere. So I'm looking at at a higher ranking there. Um, so organizations that I'm particularly interested in at this time: Seattle, San Diego, San Francisco. Feel like they have a pedigree now that really shows that they can handle it and and really grow players think Miami's got some really interesting things going on as well Mm -hmm. um and then obviously you always have New York if you want to follow fall back on something the New York hype machine even if the prospect isn't that good will hype them up to be better than they actually are so I will fall back on a New York hype machine any day of the week if I'm trying to flip a player so uh yeah that second point I guess in summation is uh the the organizational construct and the player development behind that organization
0: yeah. That's why we avoid all Rockies prospects. Right.
1: Well, except for the hitters. Well, but also, yes.
0: Yes. I was going to say, but <laughs> even still, yes. Yeah. Um, I was looking at Sam Hilliard's page the other day, and just getting angry on his behalf. Like, why didn't they, why didn't they promote him like three, four years prior? Why did Same they wait three years? But Al-Tapia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. They needed, you know, the past three years of Tapia. I, Tapia is a guy, and and I say this with all due respect because he's a major league player, and I most definitely am not. But I watch him play, and I'm just like, how, how, how did you make it? Right. <laughs> how do you continue to 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 be in your position? But yeah, it's like we'll take Tapia, but we'll let somebody like Sam Hillier languish right. for years, and then right. when we do pull him up, it's like, well, he's kind of maxed out, so no right. <laughs> So anyways, that's, that's a really good point. Um, no, no, the organization organization is big. Um, and then just to, just to finish up, so we can actually get into some players, uh, you want to understand the, the draft pool. So if you're in a first year player draft, understand what that pool looks like for that year, this particular year, uh, it seems to be pretty top heavy. Um, there, there's some, you, there's some guys, I'm not saying there's, there's not, but if you look at what's being written about for next year, uh, the 2023 draft and, and guys that will be eligible for that FYPD, that looks to be a potentially bonkers type of year. Um, there's just a lot of talent top to bottom. So know, know what your draft pool is um, so that you can you can understand. Generally speaking, what I found in, and I've seen this conversation play out um, with some league mates and, and other people the further you kind of get from that top 10 that's sort of like if you think about the nba lottery just to switch sports for a second the further you get out of that like top 10 top 12 space um especially in the first round the value starts to diminish kind of quickly as far as who it is that you're going to get and how um how how much of an impact they're going to make versus if you you know trade out of that round or just wait for the same type of guy and get them in the second round. Um, it tends to be those kind of top ten, top twelve guys that are hey we want to jump on them, uh, get get the Marcelo Mayers, get the Kelly Watsons, get you know whomever um, that's going to be in that kind of top, uh, top half of of uh, of uh, draft picks. Get those guys um, because that's where the the true value tends to be. So um, what we want to jump into, though, we want to talk about actual prospects. Um, We have a mixture. So we have some domestic guys. We have some international signees. Now that uh, J-15, I guess, not J-2 anymore. J-15 has passed um, at the time of this recording. So one thing that we talked about, um, Adam and I, as we're getting ready for this, is what's the approach with international signees? And I know, Adam, you wanted to kind of kind of speak on how you approach international signees, and you had some examples of some guys that kind of illustrate that approach, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, when we talk about international signees, there's, there's got to be some nuance to this, right? Um, first off, when we talk about DSL dudes, like you're just going to have to assume risk at all times. Um, What is coming out from international signees, Cuba defectors, people in the JPB, and then especially the DSL, there's a little bit of a guessing game here. Um, So if anybody, if any analyst comes out and says, I know exactly what this player is like, and they're going to be the next superstar, Mike Trout, they really don't know. Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Juan Soto had some, some credibility there, but, Ronald Cunha was largely overlooked for a while until he blew up in Australia. So you're going to have to just sit back and assume that the, again, I kind of come back to this idea of the organization. If they have a history of developing international signees, uh, that those are the names that I'm looking at. And I'm more interested in than, uh, than the other teams that may be taking a guess here. Um, there's some interesting work being done on other websites about Venezuelan prospects. You're going to know that Venezuela is an incredibly difficult country and, and uh, uh, both socioeconomically and then recruiting-wise uh, that make it so that there are some teams that won't even go in there and recruit anymore uh, or scout. So um, when it comes to international signees, Uh, you got to kind of look at where you are with your team. If I am the worst team in my dynasty league right now, I'm not going heavy on international signees. I don't need to do that. I'm going to probably take somebody with a little more of a track record that I know what I'm doing. And even if they're not going to be the next superstar, there's going to be a nice high floor with them, uh, or at least make that assumption that there's going to be a higher floor than the hot name that's coming out of the DSL this year um however on the flip side um if i am a team that's competitive if i've been in the top three every single year and i got some back-end picks and i just don't like some of the first-year players that are coming off the board right now that are domestic products so to speak i might go ahead and take on an 18 19 16 17 18 19 year old um and with a higher floor because i'm going to chase that floor either A, because I'm in my window right now and this player will come through next time I need another window or maybe to extend my window a little bit longer, or B, I'm going to take this player and flip them once they come over stateside and start blowing up to add on a couple more pitchers that I was talking about that I need to buy before. So it's really knowing the context of your team uh, and how you can leverage international signees or how you should assess international signees. At least in my opinion, Lamar, do you have anything different? Uh,
0: I think that's a perfect that that's a perfect assessment. Just like take that, carve it, memorize it. Um, you talked about knowing organizations and do they have recent history. So I'm thinking about I'm an Orioles fan. So you know, take that for whatever it is, but, uh, you know, a lot has been made about the fact that they're building from scratch, essentially their international pipeline, because it was non-existent under the previous GM, under the, the Ducat uh, administration, so to speak. So Michael Elias comes in and it's literally like start from scratch. So what does that mean? Well, you have uh, their international signings that they had from last year and now this year, this year a bit more splash here that's great and as a fan i'm excited as a prospector and as a dynasty player to adam's point i kind of want to see the proof before i go in on Orioles international signees uh, just because it ha- hasn't been there for a decade at least um versus other teams the seattle's and san francisco's and houston's and things of that nature and more successful teams, as we've seen as well, where you see that they have some direct pipelines into certain countries and certain areas.
1: Houston, Houston, yeah. Chicago White Sox, even. I would yeah. say that they they got a, a nice pipeline there. So yeah. definitely take a look at those team names. What was that dude's name on Baltimore that was the outfield prospect that uh, they signed a couple of years ago that was an international signee? It was in Yand- uh, not in Yandy. Um,
0: oh, yeah. No, they didn't sign him. They, that was in the Machado trade. You're talking about uh, Neo. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah that was uh that was the big centerpiece of the machado trade that didn't go well it it has not um and actually just real real quickly um he started to actually look pretty decent in, in the a f l and uh was added to the forty man if i'm not- cor- uh incorrect to be protected from the rule five, and i believe he then suffered an injury. Sometime before the AFL season ended. So
1: I, I like just, I stand Kendrick for <laughs> DJ Stewart. I stand DJ Stewart. So I will keep him, you know, I want I want DJ Stewart to get a full 600 plate appearances this year.
0: Well, DJ is kind of in the same boat. He has to stay healthy to get a full mm-hmm. 600. <laughs> so, but Big we don't want to go on the Orioles tangent. We can save that for a whole other episode mm-hmm. or, or offline because I'm sure non Orioles people don't care. But, anyways.
1: Well, Lamar, um, hey. Do you want to take a break here before we jump into the names?
0: Yeah, uh, it took the words right out of my mouth. So we're going to go pay bills and then we'll be back with some first year players to talk about.
2: This is our break and
0: we're All right, and we're back. First name that we want to get to on the list is the name that, as of this recording, uh, still has not signed. We, we hear rumors about him all the time, and that's uh, Mr. Seya uh, Suzuki. Um, the last, the most recent rumors, I should say, uh, as we're recording this, came out to say, well, the Padres, the Giants, the Cubs, the Mariners are quote unquote expected finalists. What does that mean? Take that for with a grain of salt. Um, I know I was talking to Adam offline. Adam, you had some some thoughts about where Suzuki might end up. I don't know if you want to share, or if you want to keep them to yourself.
1: I mean, my my suspicion is that he's gonna end up on the West Coast. Um, I don't know why he would go. East. Um, I mean, there has been a history, but it has not been a recent history of some big names going to, and I'm talking about Asian exports, uh, going to Boston. Um, but it hasn't been for a while. So my guess is that if San Francisco's sniffing around uh, and Seattle sniffing around, then those would probably be the two names that I would keep an eye on. Yeah,
0: makes sense. Padres sniffing around. We got Hacian Kim. Maybe they want to double dip and, you know, they had Kim and I didn't want to get Suzuki. That would be interesting. Um, Yeah, Red Sox were were kind of the big I don't want to say front runner because we really don't know with any of this but Red Sox were the the big team being connected to Suzuki very early on um, to, to just kind of tease out what Adam is talking about. Um, but yeah, now we have this most recent report. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, maybe it's signed. We don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But let's talk about Uh, wherever he signs, let's talk about the player that suzuki is and and how you should be thinking about him going into your draft
1: yeah i mean i think that uh suzuki's probably the actually in the well he's entering the prime of his career right so if we're talking about aging curves and we think about dynasty perspective you know being 20 he's 28 i think 27 28 27 27. 27, getting ready i think he'll turn 28 this year Um, You know, he's entering the prime of his career. So let's just start off with that. Um, I know that there's going to be some people that want to say that he's like Shogo Akiyama or Yoshi Satsugo or whatever, Ha-Syom Kim. There's been some burnout here with uh, Dynasty players investing in international products, right? Obviously, he's not going to be Shoei Otani, but he will be much better than these other players that are coming through that are a little bit past their prime. Um, but you know, I'm not going to apologize for Shogo Yakiyama, but I feel like he's gotten a bad deal Mm -hmm. regardless. Um, the, the slash line for Suzuki is, is absolutely something to sit up and notice he has got a proclivity of power. He knows how to hit the ball and he knows how to hit the ball real hard. He's got a mastery of the strike zone and it buoys his value from base leagues, especially he has some wheels, but I would not expect him to run a ton, at least initially, Um, and if he winds up stateside, the team that signs him is probably going to have to have the financial investment to start him day one. So it's not going to be one of these situations where they're going to say, oh, well, he needs to be seasoned or he's going to start off on the bench and ease his way in. No, he will start immediately. So he is absolutely a name that if you are looking for an immediate payoff you are not a patient player Suzuki's your your number one uh with a bullet uh outside of you know some of these other prospects that are coming up this year um i think that Suzuki's obviously uh, available in your first player or first year player draft he's the guy to go for um really great walk rates really great power rates um so, and entering the prime of his career so let's go for it
0: yeah. sounds good sounds good yeah I think um I think the burnout definitely is real from just reading uh on online uh in in the discord servers uh that are out there that I'm that I'm a part of it's a lot of like oh, yeah I'm letting pass I'm not taking them I remember you know I went in for for Hase young Kim and that was a bust and you know uh you know your your, your risk uh Tolerance, as, as they say in the stock market world, you know, your risk tolerance is, is different. Everyone's is different, but I say that this isn't, it's not really apples to apples. I agree with Adam that Suzuki looks like a, a different kettle of fish, as they would say, um, just a different type of player and type of player that if you have the ability to, to jump in on, you probably should. Um, and I think uh, again, to, to link everything in roster construction is important right? If you're in that, Hey, I'm missing one piece. Um, you know, I, I just need one more bad. I can't, it's not really a big trade that I can pull off. Who can I get anybody from the draft, but I don't want to wait that boom, he's ready made right out the can. Um, if you can try to trade up, maybe draft pick wise, that might be the bat that you're looking for. And then if you're in that rebuild or if it's a dynasty startup and you're you're building fresh and you're you know looking at just going prospect heavy um still somebody that you want to take interest in simply because while he's in the prime so his window doesn't necessarily match up with the the teenagers or the young guys that you might have in the roster it's going to be very valuable right and all it takes is for him to get on the heater right if he if he comes in and this is obviously again as we're recording we're still in lockout but this is assuming that we start the season you know, somewhat on time, he starts off April, starts off, you know, April into May and he looks good. People are going to be banging down your door and you hold the trump card, right? You you hold all the cards that when you could deal him and what you could get for him. So even if you are in that rebuild or um, prospect heavy sort of construction, still valuable to you if you have the ability to take Suzuki. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: his career slash line is 309, 402, 943, with 189 home runs and 621 RBIs. Like the the dude can hit. He can flat out hit. And last year for MPB, he hit he hit uh what 138 home runs and 88 RBIs in 130 games. So he's got power, and and he hits from the right side of the plate. Hey, if he ends up with Boston, that short field out
0: there. I'm and, interested and I, I, I would take East. him quick and the and the AOE East where he gets mm-hmm. to hit in a bunch of bang boxes yep so yeah, yeah I agree I agree and you um,
1: want to talk about another guy that's yeah. maybe a first year player guy and that's Marcelo Mayer Mayer
0: Mayer yeah you always like to put the you like the Mayer. mayor yeah it's yeah. mayor but I like how you like to put the mayor yeah it's, it's
1: nice I don't know I don't know what that is so what what do I, what should I know about him and may, why is he better than say a Suzuki?
0: Well, uh, that's saying something. Uh, it, is he better than Suzuki? I don't.
1: No, that's what you said. You said he's better. I, so I, just go ahead. No. Just do You said he's way better.
0: No, actually, if we want to be factual, you actually said that. I have the recording. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, I. I I, what I like about mayor is I like the makeup and I like the, um, I like the sort of consensus around. So there was, there was sort of triumvirate or I guess maybe a quartet of shortstops in this, um, in this past draft and, and uh, guys that would be eligible for your first year draft. And it seemed like no matter what mayor, his, his hit tool, uh, the defense, uh no no concerns about him having to move off a of shortstop and shortstop obviously um you should know if you don't then let us clue you in shortstop being one of the very valuable positions um both in real life but also from a dynasty standpoint just because shortstops, especially uh young prospect shortstops, if they are athletic enough to man that position, uh even if they do move like we talked about earlier, um they have the athleticism where you're you're not necessarily worried about them getting plugged at a at a first base or being a plotter like a catcher. Um, you know, they 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 can be dynamic enough to go to second, third, go to the outfield. So still be everyday at uh um get everyday at bats, even if they're not in that shortstop position as they develop uh up through the um, up through the uh, levels. So with Mayer, no concerns there. Uh, so he's going to be very valuable to you being an everyday player at short. Uh, like I said, the hit tool is there having the ability, it looks like to, to be able to turn that into power as well. Um, and then we were talking about Boston being with the red Sox, uh, have a, a nice track record of developing some young guys. When you look at the Bogarts, guards, you look at the Devers and, um, you know, they, they have a nice track record of being able to develop their guys up. Obviously, uh, a lot of that is with Epstein years, but looks like so far they've been able to have some some success going into the, the newer regime. Now, Um again, Mayor versus Suzuki. Do I pick Mayor over Suzuki? I think, again, roster construction. Um, if you're in win now, I will go Suzuki. If you're in rebuild mode, yes, Suzuki is valuable, but mayor, his window is going to fit with your timeline perfectly. So that's I'll, I'll push. I don't I don't like pushing on questions, but that one I will push. Them.
1: Well, you got a couple other international signees that you wanted to talk about as well. Um, and, and I feel like we would do a disservice if we did not hit up these players, at least briefly to let let the people know that not only do you like Marcelo Mayor way more than Seo Suzuki, but you also like Roderick Arias and Christian Dequero a lot more.
0: Uh again, I, I'm not gonna let this yeah. um, false rhetoric take place. I've never said those words. No, but but you were talking about New York hype machine. Um and that's where Roderick Arias falls right into. So being the crown to,
1: jewel of the Yankees. What what makes him so interesting?
0: Well, uh, I will say, you know, he was 16 when he was getting linked to the Yankees, 15, 16, getting linked to the Yankees, now 17 when he signs from Dominican Republic, um, switch hitting shortstop. What I'm seeing when I'm looking things up and looking up scouting reports, uh, seeing a lot of the same words come up about uh, being scouts being impressed by his pitch recognition uh, and his overall plate skills and his bat-to-ball skills as well, being able to, to hit well on both sides of the plate. A plus-plus arm, uh, that's a direct quote uh, I want to say from MLB Pipeline. Um, so again, just like we we're talking about with Mayer, not really being concerned about him moving being moved off a shortstop, and we know the Yankees have a little bit of a shortstop concern uh, with Mr. Glaber Torres, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's, that, that helps him be uh, valuable as well. I just have to see more video. I'll be honest. I just hadn't seen enough myself to to make a, a solid declaration. Uh, I, but I look forward to seeing them wherever they start him, I assume. Um,
1: right. let's just clean this up a little bit. You're su- you're not suggesting that that Arias is going to be up, uh, to replace Glaber Torres. I think Glaber Torres's son will have set by that point if they're moving <laughs> off of him, right? Like he's yeah. dude, seventeen years old right now.
0: Yeah. No. I, I I I bring that up. Uh, a because I'm a like I said, I'm a Orioles fan and just anytime I get to make fun of, um, the Yankees, I want to take that chance, but also, uh, yes, that's, that's a good point. And I, I, I should say, yes, I'm not saying that he's a, a direct heir apparent. Um, obviously they have some, some other folks, Anthony Volpe has vaulted up through the rankings with his season last year, uh, Peraza Parra- uh, is there as well. So they have quite a few, and of course they typically don't hesitate to, um, well, they used to not hesitate to you know, write some fat checks when it comes to free agents as well. So, no, it's not a one to one. But I will say with uh, something that you and I were talking about um, off air that I will bring on air is when you look at a team that tends to be stacked at a particular position, uh, don't let that dissuade you either, because if, a, if the team is smart, they may look at it and say, hey, uh, somebody like Arias, even though we paid uh, a bunch of dollars, and uh, I don't have the figures in front of me, but I want to say it's somewhere around $6 million that they paid to sign, uh, maybe more than that, actually. But if he's developing, like, hey, uh, let that go, let that develop, and that's nice, and we can always trade him and get something valuable back. So it, it, it behooves them to be stacked at a position like shortstop to say, like, hey, you know, we got a vault, we got a paraza, now we signed Arias, and You know, we'll see who hits first, right? Who gets the big leagues first and whoever doesn't, if they're still developing well, we can always package them in a deal and get back something else that we need. And when you're thinking about it from a dynasty league standpoint, that could be the exact break that you need for that prospect, right? If they're getting blocked at a position, if you're looking and saying, ah, well, there's already two guys in front of them. I think we were talking about, uh, another guy that we have on the list coming up, but, um, you know, with San Diego being kind of heavy with shortstop, hey, let some of the, the younger shortstops develop and again, you know, in a couple of years, if they're still doing well, we can always package them in the deal, get an arm back that we need, get a power bat that we need, et cetera, et cetera. And then that could be the break that that prospect needs to go to another organization that is not as heavy at that position and boom, they're getting plugged in and put on the speed ramp up so um speaking of boom yeah you got christian becquero the phenomenon
1: the phenomenon the cuban phenomenon why why am i interested in him because i don't feel very interested right now so you're gonna have to sell me on him
0: okay uh well the first thing that I that I noticed, and I actually did look at a little bit of video, um, he's a tall kid. I say kid because he is uh, also a teenager. Um, but he's a tall kid, solid frame, so I'm not too concerned about, again, him getting moved off position, him gaining a whole bunch of weight that would, or a whole bunch of muscle, uh, I should say, that would make uh, him have to get moved. He, right now he's an outfielder, mostly center field, and it seems like he has the foot speed and the um, – the first step to, to maintain being in center field seems to have a pretty good arm. So if they did need to move in the right, they could, uh, this, uh, by the way, Vicario signed with the nationals just so we can keep teams and players together. Uh, he's a lefty to start, uh, research. It looks like the reports are saying that after he left Cuba, after he defected out of Cuba, he picked up switch hitting. So he is formally left hand only, Now he's hitting also from the right side. I didn't see a bunch of swings from the right side, so I can't speak on it. But the left-hand swing looks good. Uh, One thing that I like to look at when I'm looking at young guys, again, hitting, looking at the swing mechanics, is there a lot of noise? Um, Don't see a lot of noise with him. Pretty quiet, pretty easy and fluid. Uh, Some easy power, what I like to call easy power, which is power to all fields without it being a high-effort swing. Um, not that high effort swings are bad, but if a guy can take a ball deep, um, going to center or going to right center, even as a, as a lefty hitter, and it looks easy, right? I, I'm not making the comparison. I'm using this as an example, but it, we all know Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing. That's easy power, right? It's fluid. It's smooth. It never looks like he's trying to put a whole lot into it, but the ball is going to carry. That's an example. I'm not saying Vaquero is Ken Griffey, because I know that's what Adam's going to try to make it seem like I'm saying. Uh, but he does have an easy power swing. It, the ball flies. Um, so it does look like it's a little bit more power over hit tool right now. But again, super young. So that hit tool could um, definitely develop. And it'll be very interesting to see in a, a few years an outfield with him and Mr. Juan Soto uh, still running around out there. That could be very uh very dangerous to Noe's teams.
1: Nice. Okay. So, so Ken Griffey Jr. That's what I got.
0: Oh, I gotta stop saying. <laughs> stuff. I gotta stop saying <laughs> words to you, Adam.
1: <laughs> oh man. So, so let me ask you this for real, though. If if you had to pick right now, right, you had to pick one player. To take and, and they were one in right there for you yeah. if you were to take roderick arias or, or christian vaquero which one would you go with right now
0: right now i'd probably go with vaquero um and it would be tight it would be tight but i would go with vaquero just because again i the the switching and, and you actually brought up this point again as we we're, were prepping for the show we were talking about this off air but you brought up the point of like, well, you know, new to switch hitting. We'll see kind of how much that sticks. There's a good chance that he just, you know, goes back to being lefty only, which is completely fair. Um, for me, just seeing that lefty swing, seeing how, again, his size, how tall he is, uh, it, it's just something about it, it's just something about that combination and being able to stick in center field as well. Right now. I'm saying Vicaro. You ask me in a month's time, it could easily be ours.
1: Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So I'm gonna put a pin in this and then come back to you in about a month or two.
0: Yeah. Where you're at. Let's do that. Um, you had a a combo, a duo of players. Now these guys aren't first-year players, but we did want to bring them in because we're talking about international signees. So That's right. want to use them as kind of examples about your point, uh, your points about how you value international signees. So who are the two two guys that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I think so. The first guy I want to talk about, and, and this is a point that I overlooked earlier when we talk about international signees is I, I also look at the money. You know, where are teams investing? Not only which team is which team is going after this player and how much are they investing in this player? And so I'm going to start off with Victor Acosta. And the reason that I'm bringing him up is that he is a 17-year-old Dominican who signed for $1.8 million um, out of the J2 a couple of years ago. Or I guess, actually, he just signed this year, didn't he? Now that I'm thinking about it, so uh, he's still like just an incredible player. And when again, I think about organization. So let's talk about let's take a step back and talk about San Diego. San Diego's track record over the last couple of years has produced guys like Luis Patino, Gabriel Arias, and Emmanuel Clase. Um, so like we're we're talking about like really really strong. Uh, players, MLB contributors now, or getting ready to be MLB contributors. Incredible track records. And so, 2021, the the Padres go out, they sign Acosta at 1.8 million, and he's, in my opinion, probably the best of the bunch. He's a switch hitter. Everybody, all the reports have said that he's a true shortstop, which means that he has a preternatural talent to go out there and stick in the field at a very athletic position and so if if i'm talking and i'm thinking about players right now i've i've had a couple boxes checked for me when it comes to international signee great organization with a good track record big money signed to this player And the defensive approach, right, is something that is being discussed, which is he's a true shortstop with a natural athletic play. So if he's going to be a switch hitter and he's going to have all of those boxes checked, I'm very interested already. He's already he's got a lot of um, really, really nice speed. The DSL uh, approach in those 34 games that he played, he had a 296, 435, 478 slash line with a few homers chipped in and the 21 stolen bases. So uh, again, we, and, and Lamar said this before, we take those numbers with a grain of salt just because we know that the players there are like really aggressive and also the the pace of play is or I'm sorry the um the ability of play there is a little bit less than what it would be for rookie ball so uh, he's produced though so, I'm very interested in him. Again, an, an incredible group. Do I think that he could sh- stick at shortstop? Boy, I'd like to, but you know, Fernando Tatis is there. And then they got CJ Abrams coming up. Like there are players there that could block him easily. Um, but let's just go ahead and, and pencil him in as a player for interest in maybe the next, I wouldn't say two years, but maybe three years down the road. Um, and so, in those leagues or in those teams where I have a back end pick, or, and I might be in that second round. Acosta is a guy that I'm interested in already, yeah. uh, so so there's that.
0: Yeah, um, I don't have much to add there um, other than I actually have Acosta rostered in, in my um, in my home league, so I'm happy to see him on the rundown here uh, in a positive note. Uh, and he's a perfect example of exactly what we were just previously talking about with Arias, right? Um, like Adam was pointing out, blocked currently, but he's still a few years off anyway. So who knows what happens in another couple of years, right? What happens with Machado? Do they already are moving um, Tatis, you know, kind of in the outfield to protect him? Do they move uh, Abrams up? And then does Abrams get moved over to take over from Machado? Because who knows what happens with him and his contract? I just saw that Machado's 29, which boggles my mind that he's 29 years old already. Um, you know, all sorts of things can happen in the next three years uh, or – like we were just discussing, maybe everything stays status quo and they say, cool, Victor Acosta, he's now a top 100 prospect in two or three years time. And we got a bunch of teams banging down our doors that wants this guy. And now we can deal them to get that pitcher that we need to finally beat the Dodgers and the giants. And finally (laughs) make our way through the playoffs to compete for a championship. So who knows, but definitely a guy that I would suggest, um, you know, you don't have to go out of your way. You don't have to move heaven and earth to get. But if he's available on the wire as a free ad, if he's available, if you're already doing a trade with somebody that rosters him, might be somebody that you just say, say like, hey, can you throw? Why don't you throw Acosta in? Let me just grab grab this Acosta guy from you. Um, always look for those those add-ins um, uh, when it comes to especially the the, the teenage um, prospects, the DSL type guys. Those tend to be um, for certain types of managers not very valuable they're just not looked at as being as valuable as as your you know your your a ball your low a high a type of guys and sometimes you can be like hey just throw them in for free and uh who knows that might be the that might end up being the crown jewel of the whole thing so there was a another shortstop that you want to talk about along with acosta also yeah i want to
1: talk about i want to talk about averson artiega So that's another dude when, again, thinking about the boxes that need to be checked. Artiega's a 19-year-old that uh, showed up stateside last year, um, is a part of the San Francisco Giants organization. Again, let's talk about the San Francisco Giants. Take a step back before we go forward. They've signed players like Luis Montos. They've got uh, Marco Luciano. Uh, They have, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head um y-
0: Yaro Pomares Yeah
1: Yaro yeah I mean you've got three names right there that have risen to the top of the San Francisco organization incredible player development now that they have uh what's his face from Los Angeles coming over the Dodgers um uh, GM uh Sa- Sahidi uh, so again, I'm thinking about player development, player organization. Uh, he comes over stateside in 2021. He hits 294, 367, 503 with nine home runs and 56 games at the Arizona rookie league. And then he was promoted to low a for a cup of coffee. Um, really not much there. Uh, I think he had, he played one game. He had three at bats. Um, so not wanna, much there.
0: I want to speak on that though. Yeah. Um, can I, I? I didn't tell you this, but I want to speak on that. I watched um, through uh, MILB.TV, TV, and and you no, know, um, there's no free ads, but that's that's where you go to watch minor league baseball typically. So um, they were giving away free streaming towards the end of last season. So I actually had the ability to watch um, at Loe with the Grizzlies right? With the, no, I'm sorry, with the San Jose Giants. That's who he mm-hmm. with, with the San Jose Giants. Um, I watched those three at-bats. He looked good. They're only three at-bats, right? Mm. But you like seeing he looked comfortable. I want to say he got a double down the line.
1: I think it was um, a triple, actually.
0: Yeah, it, well, so this goes with that. It was a double that he turned into a triple, some aggressive base running. He read the left fielder very well, so he like seeing that. He looked comfortable at shortstop, made a couple plays, looked Look good, moving around, strong arm. So again, it's only three at bats. It was one game, just like Adam said. But this is why it's good to see video, see actual game film of players that you're interested in, because you pick up on those stuff that the box score doesn't tell you. Box doesn't tell you that it was a double that he turned into a triple. Box score doesn't tell you how he looked in the field. You got to see that stuff um, just to get a, get more and more comfort with whomever the prospect or prospects are that you're interested in. Um, to get to your other point, the nine home runs that he hit, uh, I want to say that he he popped on my radar because he had, not in a row, but he had, I want to say, a game or a run of like 10, 10 or so games where he had six home runs kind of in a, in a cluster there. And that's, that's how he popped on my radar last year. Um, I don't know how much of that power is going to stick around, I'll be honest. I don't see him being a big bopper. But it's nice to know that he has it in there. Um, I could definitely see him like he should be a double-digit home run guy. Uh, They might be in the low teens, but he still has that. So definitely, again, valuable information to know and see. Right. And you have to think about
1: the idea that the organization felt strongly enough in him to promote him to low A um, before the season ended. And, I mean, again, we were talking earlier about age differentials. And the aggressive assignments. I'm looking for players where, where the organization was confident enough in them to aggressively assign him. And he was three years younger than the average player at Low A. So and he performed in a pretty respectable way. I'd love to see where his assignment's gonna be this year. My guess is that he's gonna start off at maybe A um or low a but push himself up into high double a before the end of the year and if he's in double a before the end of the year you're gonna have a lot of people talking about this this kid i mean 19 years old at double a AA would be a hell of a um uh an assignment so i really like rtega again checking the boxes you got an incredible organization a pretty good hit tool um But he is a shortstop again, which is another – I know that you were saying you draft the best player available. But if I'm going to go back and I'm going to start uh, digging a little bit, I'm going to start looking at shortstops because they have the athletic ability – to to move around the diamond if they need to, they can end up at second or short or outfield more often than not. So I'm going to, if I'm going to go young, I'm going to try to find a shortstop and uh, his baseball IQ and his defensive uh, prowess have definitely uh, been uh, stated over and over again across multiple sites. Uh, So I think that he's a player that is going to stick around and grow in a pretty strong organization. And I think he's going to be the player that pushes Luciano off of uh, shortstop and pushes uh, Luciano to third base. So yeah, I, was- I like I like him. The one qualifier for RTA, I would say, is that he needs some plate discipline work. Um, his K to uh, walk ratio is 70 to 23. So I'm a little concerned about that. Um, but again, young, he was young for his league. So I really like where, where he's headed.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the Luciano point. I, I have Luciano rostered as well. And so that's something that I'm always paying attention to. I, it almost seems like uh, it's not fait accompli, but whatever the Latin is for close to fait accompli is, it seems like that for Luciano moving to third. Um, he's just a big kid and he, he, put, he put on muscle. He, he feels well, but he's just that size. Um, it, it seems very likely that he's going to get pushed to, to third just with his own physical development. But to your point, I think having a, a natural um, shortstop that could develop coming up behind him and could stick could kind of make the Giants even more confident. They obviously have Brandon Car- uh, Crawford right now, who I know has been doing some mentoring of luciano just um you know it's kind of showing them the ropes so to speak um when they when they've talked and they uh i guess it was at the complex or I can't remember exactly where I read that they had some conversations but you know Crawford is obviously very you know on the on the last ends of of his career you're going to have an opening there for somebody um there again to your point there's there's a, a a chance, a future where in a couple years, that left side of the Giants infield is Luciano at third and Arteaga at short. Pretty exciting. So with that being said, we're moving off of the international theme. We're going to go with some pitchers real quick, and then there's one kind of my my new prospect crush that I'm going to wax poetic about to kind of finish this up. Uh, Picture-wise, three pitchers we're not going to go too deep in them because we're already kind of going along in the episode but just some questions that i saw pop up um frank Mazacato, will bednar and chase petty um i know was a big surprise being taken at number seventh overall by the royals um I, i heard and and i I'm trying to do a better job of writing down where I'm hearing and seeing these tidbits so I can give kind of hat tips and, and credit where it's due. Um, I didn't do it this time, so I, I, please forgive me. But I heard somebody kind of float the idea saying, well, did they draft Mazzucato because their last couple of batches of pictures haven't really worked out? Like Daniel Lynch didn't really click yet for him. Co-ar got lit up. So do they go with another pitcher, another lefty on top of that? Because some of the current lefties, I don't know. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know. Um, Again, understanding organizations is important and I don't know enough about Kansas City to know if they would kind of double dip um, with prospects like that. uh, Or if they thought best player available, I don't really know what their sort of draft and development strategy is. So I I can't give credence to that, but I, I thought it was an interesting idea um, the thing that's all come up with Mazzucato is what what's going on with his velo. Is he going to be able to have enough velo, uh, major league uh, velocity with his fastball to make the curve and the changeup as effective? And I don't know. Again, this is kind of more a question than than an answer or than a review. But something if you are sniffing around Mazzucato or if you do have him already on your roster, something that you may want to look into. If you don't feel confident, maybe you want to pull off a swap. If you're looking at them in uh, first-year player draft that's that's going on, or you're doing your prep right now. If you're a big velo person, maybe you want to let that let Mazzucato pass. Um, but just something to, to be in mind is it's a question that is out there. Uh, also talking about another AL Central team with the Twins, Chase Petty. Uh, I know I'm starting to see him be talked about a lot more. Uh, I still have to be honest. I have to do my due diligence. I know he got uh, he got picked up um, late and in my FYPD that I already had. Um, It seems like the stuff plays up. The concern is his size. And we all know, especially with the prevalence of of Tommy John and and other sort of related uh, arm and elbow and shoulder surgeries um, with pitchers, especially young pitchers size continues to be a concern right is, is a guy that's on the small end going to be able to maintain high velocity without breaking down and then assuming he does break down what does that look like coming back so you see smaller guys like a Tristan McKenzie and the like um you know that's still a question that is, he's looking to kind of answer for good is you know can he maintain that velocity without it it breaking him down I know that a lot of people look at uh Tim Lincecum and kind of think about like ah, oh, with with his size and, and how hard he was throwing and as nasty as his stuff was it, it couldn't really maintain over time as we would have liked to so with Chase Fetty that seems to be a, a big question that is out there for him with Will Bednar you know hero of the College World Series I was actually looking at, and again I'll be honest, pitchers, I'm I'm still learning a lot. So I'm kind of looking him up and I'll be honest uh, as well. College blind spot for me right now. I'm looking to resolve that with the start of this new college series uh, season. So I'm looking to try to be more attuned to college baseball to be a better prospector. Um, But looking at what Bednar did in the college world series in in the past, I'm starting to wonder maybe is he actually kind of underrated? Uh, again, with the Giants, Adam talking about uh, organization development and and success. The Giants have a lot of young, talented arms in their um, system that I'm excited to see. And Bednar is yet another one of them. Um, so you might actually be able to get some some value with Bednar maybe slipping through, not not being as high on everybody's list as he may have been. A few months prior, so maybe that's a that's a picture that you want to attack. So just uh, again, just three pictures that I uh, want to kind of highlight some some questions, some pluses and minuses about uh, before moving into like I said, new prospect crush. Uh, and I want to make sure I got the name correct. Juan ben Cho. I kept having this flip flopped. I kept putting the Cho in front of. Juan Ben because technically I guess that's how it is but anyways um, Juan bin Cho 18 year old from South Korea signed internationally with St. Louis you may have seen him because of his dog if you're a dog person his dog seemed to, to be a hit on social media um, but I'll be honest uh, there's a very real possibility that this this kid because that's what he is um, goes to most likely uh, like rookie ball and does okay and gets bumped to a ball and just gets completely demolished like that. That could definitely happen uh, happens to most teenagers. I would say actually <laughs> that's, that's that's why you don't hear of, of many of them, but watching this kid, there is some game film um, from him in high school. There is a lot of workout video. Um, that's, that's available as well. There's a lot of things that I like. I got to be honest, Adam. Um, I don't know if you if you know much or seen this kid at all, but you see he's a big guy, 6'3", uh, 6'4". Six, six, um, the weight, I've seen some different weights listed. And I'll be honest, if you watch his the, the developmental videos that are out there, um, I actually think he has his own YouTube channel or it's a channel in his name. But if you look at the timestamps of late 2021 and then the most recent ones in 2022, you can see he's adding muscle. So I've seen anywhere from like 190 to like 210 for this kid. But you can see he's 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 a muscular kid. Um, good arm. He's an outfielder, mostly right field. Has very good arm. Left-handed bat. Um, I love the swing mechanics he had. Uh, if you're familiar with many, not necessarily all, but many um, Asian ball players kind of tend to have the big leg kick, ha- hands in their stance, hands extended away from the body, uh, kind of parallel. So if you think about Ichiro, even Shohei, the, uh, Hideki Matsui, they all have kind of different intera- uh, iterations of that sort of stance and load. Uh, this kid, they already have the, the bat tilted, so it's not it's not straight up and down. So he's getting more hip and arm or hip and hand separation to build that power. Uh, and one thing that I like is whomever he's working with, and I don't know the, the trainers or staff or who he's in the cage with, but whoever they are is cutting down that leg kick. So it's not nearly as, um, as, as high as it was when he, if you look at his high school game film um, and what I like about that is, it just lets him glide a lot easier into the pitch. And the kid has tremendous power. I think what put him on some people's radar uh, over the signing weekend um, was some footage from um, Perfect Game Event, uh, and I'm going to blank on the name of, of the events. I apologize, but it's kind of like a, a, a super home run derby. And I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of like watching those home run derby and like batting practice videos, typically, because if you've ever watched like, real home run derby or real batting practice, those swings are completely different than an in-game swing because you're obviously trying to hit a home run versus just trying to hit. Uh, The other thing with that particular video of this event, I noticed the second time through watching uh, was most of the long home runs that people were owing and eyeing over were with an aluminum bat. So I was kind of like, once I clued into that, I was like, "Mm, it's not necessarily as impressive. Uh, It wasn't a major league stadium. It was in, I want to say it was Globe Life, and he was hitting far, but Aluna Luna bat. Uh, okay. Not, not necessarily as impressive. Why is he prospect crush? Like I said, just there's, there is a possibility that things line up in place. um, and, and he could be a monster. And I'm just fascinated to watch and see what happens. St. Louis doesn't um have a lot of forays into signing. Um, like South Korean teenagers, obviously. So I'm curious what really popped out to them, kind of add Adam to your point, like what would make a team kind of go out of their way in, in an area that they don't normally have a ton of recruiting or scouting in. There's something there. I'm just curious. And and so one been chose the name. Uh, like I said, eighteen year old. I'll be curious to see where he's assigned. I would imagine it has to be at um like the, the, not the fall league, but the, uh, like say, Arizona rookie mm-hmm. league or um, St. Louis might actually have their team in, in Florida. But whatever that lowest rung is, just because, again, he's a teenager moving to America for the first time, there's going to be a lot that he's going to have to learn just from a cultural standpoint, let alone with baseball. I don't see why they put extra pressure on him by giving him an aggressive assignment. But I'm just, he's on the watch list. Uh, I would say, if you have a third, fourth, kind of, you know, depending on how long your your first year player drafts are, if they're like the typical five rounds, if you have a late round pick, that's a flyer guy. That's a perfect one where it's just like, hey, I'm gonna shoot my shot, take this guy, roster him. If I like what I see, cool. If it's turned to be nothing, it's an easy drop and there's no, you know, no fuss, no muss. Um, I tried to get him, I didn't get him. I got, I, I missed him by like five spots. And then I tried to trade and and the manager said pretty much the same thing. I said, I I want to see how he does before I trade him. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, Juan Bencho, that's my new prospect crush. We'll see what happens.
1: All right, man. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to absolutely put a flag on him. I haven't heard about him before.
0: So with that, uh, like I said, we ran a little bit long. Than, than what we normally have planned for the show, but again it was it was chock full of good stuff. It's the first new episode with new hosts, so we wanted to to get in and, and really give you um, your money's worth, so to speak. Uh, but before we sign off, we wanted you know promote and and talk up and and talk about what's next. Adam, do you have anything to, to plug or where you're going to be? Where can they find you? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm still writing for
1: Pitcher List. I got my uh, top. 25 or top 20 i forget how where i'm going to land on that hitters and pitchers that you could uh pick up for this year or, or look to target and drafts for for this year um yeah and and i'll be on the, the podcast with you lamar
0: yeah so that's that's it for right now putting words in my mouth that's what you'll be doing putting words yeah in my mouth.
1: yeah well somebody's <laughs> got to keep you on your toes man
0: <laughs> no very good um so you can find me uh again my name's lamar you can find me on Twitter, at InsideFastball, capital I, capital F. Um, also have a newsletter at InsideFastball that you can find uh, via the Twitter page as well. Um, you know, if you have questions, feel free to, to shoot them to me. We should be uh, active on the, on the farm uh, Twitter uh, handle as well. We're looking to, to get that up and going as well. So if you got questions, you can send them that way. Um, and that's at One the farm, all one word, um, capital O, capital T, capital F, I believe. Um, as far as articles to post, I'm still working on this beast. I'm doing the top 500 OBP rankings, y'all. Uh, I'm doing it. Uh, it may actually be published by the time you're listening to this. If not, it will be shortly around the same time that you're listening to this. So I'm ready to make everybody very angry. By not ranking their players where they think they should be ranked.
1: Well, he they can bother you on Twitter at, at what what's the Twitter handle against? Twitter
0: handle is at inside fastball.
1: That's right. Don't don't bother me. Don't, <laughs> don't you can find me on Twitter at at the statcast era, but don't come at me. All right. I will be happy if you want to message me. I'll be happy to put words in Lamar's mouth for you about how (laughs) the rankings were max mixed up, but, but you come at Lamar, Lamar's an awesome follow. So make sure you Uh, get out there.
0: I appreciate it. So with that being said, um, next episode, we, uh, hopefully I'm not going to give too much away, but hopefully we'll have a special guest looking to have a few guests as we start to get into, um, the minor league season. And who knows by the next episode, maybe we won't be in a lockout. Who knows? The nice thing is with prospecting, the minor league season should be taking place regardless because minor leaguers aren't represented by the union. So, uh, with that being said, uh, again, that's Adam. I'm Lamar. We really appreciate you listening, and uh, we hope to be talking to you again soon. Take care. Bye, Trevor.